Welcome to This is Texas Wine. I'm Shelley Wilfong, a wine educator, writer, and Texas wine enthusiast. On this podcast, I share Texas wine news, interview the most important people in the Texas wine industry, and bring you the information you need to be a more informed Texas wine drinker. Thanks for joining me on this Texas wine journey. This is episode 20. On this episode, you'll get to hear from Jeff Cope, who started the Texas Wine Lover website 10 years ago. He has seen so many changes as a Texas wine enthusiast over the past 10 years, and we always start with a rundown of all the top news about Texas wine. Whether you're a regular listener or joining in for the first time, welcome to This is Texas Wine. If you follow Texas Wine, you likely know the name McPherson. Doc McPherson was one of the original pioneers in the Texas wine industry, and his son Kim McPherson carries on the tradition with his own McPherson Cellars brand. Now you should know the name Cassandra McPherson. Kim's daughter Cassandra is a UC Davis-degreed wine professional who has just released her first wine label, Las Espinas. Cassandra lives in Napa, but is very involved in the Texas wine scene, too. For these first releases, she has a red, a white, and a rosé, all from the Texas High Plains. The red is a 100% Carignan from the Leahy Vineyards. The white is a 100% Verdejo from Moore Family Vineyards. And the rosé is a Grenache, Senso, and Cunois blend from Farmhouse Vineyards. The Las Espinas website says that the wines are produced and bottled in Lubbock. And Cassandra gives thanks to both her father and McPherson assistant winemaker Spencer Igo on her website. Las Espinas means the spines in Spanish, and there's some great cactus photography and artwork on the label. Apparently, the wines can be found at Whole Foods in the Austin area. Request these wines where you shop for Texas wines or visit Cassandra's website. I'll put the website in the show notes. The Texas Wine and Grape Growers Association has just released a new marketing campaign for Texas wine. The main tagline is Texas Wines, Texas Bold, and the goal is to increase consumption of Texas wine. They've released a series of videos featuring different aspects of Texas wine, and they encourage member wineries and really anybody to utilize the videos in their own marketing and promotional materials. The first video has some lovely cinematography of vineyards and barrel rooms, and the graphics read, A state that was once its own damn country deserves its own damn wine. Texas wine. Texas bold. I posted the first video on my Facebook page, so check out This is Texas Wine on Facebook. Spring has sprung, and with it, we've got a lot of wine festivals on the calendar. Texas Wine Lover just had a blog post about what's coming up, so be sure to check that out. One of the best-known springtime wine attractions is, of course, the Wine and Wildflower Journey put on by Texas Hill Country Wineries. I want you to hear about it directly from the organizers, so here's Kate with more. Hey, everyone. This is Kate from the Texas Hill Country Wineries. We'd love to invite you to join us for the upcoming Wine and Wildflower Journey starting March 22nd through April 16th. The Wine and Wildflower Journey is a self-guided tour of over 40 participating wineries throughout the Hill Country where you can sample an array of award-winning wines and receive exclusive discounts on bottle purchases at each tasting room. The event lasts for 26 days. So you can experience several wineries throughout the 22nd through the 16th. Receive a complimentary tasting at each spot plus a 15% discount on three bottles of wine or more. And a passport also makes a perfect gift for any wine lover that you know. 
The outdoor attractions and spacious tasting rooms are a great way to safely meet up with friends and family. And every purchase contributes to the THCW Wine Industry Scholarship Fund, which allows us to give back to the industry each year. Get your Wine and Wildflower Journey ticket today at our website at texaswinetrail.com. See you soon. The Wine and Wildflower Journey ends April 16th, so get out there soon. It's great to see so much excitement for the Arts and Wine Festival in Mason that will take place on April 10th, the day this podcast drops. Of course, the town of Mason is still reeling after the historic county courthouse was lost to a fire in February. This event should certainly lift spirits. There are 14 or more wineries that are going to be pouring wine on the square, and it's free. Expect to see Par Vineyards, Wines of Dotson Cervantes, Robert Clay Vineyards, Sandy Road, William Chris, Fly Gap, Rivenberg Wines, and more. Plenty of local art to check out, too. There's also a new wine festival going on in Sheridan, Texas, which is between Houston and San Antonio. It's the Splashway Water Park and Campground Wine Festival, and it's happening for two weekends in April. The water park isn't open yet, but there's still plenty to do there, from live music to a chili cook-off. Participating wineries include Mayak, Vineyards, Hack Winery, and 10 more from the Gulf Coast area. And let's not forget the upcoming Granberry Wine Walk later on this month, April 23rd to 25th. That's presented by the Cross Timbers Wine Trail. You may have heard Chuck Tordiglione talk about it a few months back on this podcast. You can expect concerts on the square, lots of shopping, and of course, tasting Texas wines. There are 22 Texas wineries participating last I checked, and your ticket gets you two tastings at each one, plus a commemorative glass. Have fun and pace yourself. They're also looking for volunteers, both general volunteers and TABC certified wine pourers. So sign up for a shift if you can. I'll link to the sign up genius in the show notes. File this one under culinary can't miss experiences in the Hill Country. Southhold Farm and Cellars has opened The Kitchen, a restaurant that's turning heads. In a write-up on the new space for Eater Austin, owner Regan Metter says, We are big believers in the fact that wine is food and it's all about completing the table. He says that the typical tasting room experience tends to focus on wine pours and tends to separate the wine from the entire experience of dining and drinking. The way that we do tasting rooms in this country is very much clinical and almost over-evaluatory says. Chef Lini Boyle's kitchen is described as unpretentious farm-to-table fare. You'll need a reservation, and it's only open on Fridays and Saturdays at dinner time. It's got an incredible view there in Stonewall, and I can't wait to visit. Wine Enthusiast ran a big story about the grapes of the Texas High Plains by Amy Beth Wright this month. The article is titled, Let the Grapes Speak for Themselves. Texas High Plains Wine Country Contains Multitudes. The article is a summary of the wide variety of grape varieties that grow well out in the Texas High Plains. She quotes from several producers you know and love, like McPherson, English Newsome, and Reddy Vineyards. And she also mentions a few who are less well-known, but on the upswing, like Sheremy Law of Sheremy Wines and Bo Salling, of Texwar Wines. Find the link in the show notes. And finally, if you've got an HEB near you, you'll want to make note of this. For the first time, wines from the Texoma AVA are available at HEB. There are three hidden hanger wines available for special order. They're the Barnstormer, a Malbec, Syrah, and Cab Franc blend, Riveter Rosie, a sweet red blend, 
And finally, an off-dry Riesling. Customers should ask their local HEB wine steward to order those wines in. You can thank one of this podcast's most loyal listeners for getting that set up. Thanks, Johnny Wine. And that's the Texas Wine News. I recently had the chance to sit down with Jeff Cope of the Texas Wine Lover website. I'm sure you've heard me mention before that the website had its 10th anniversary last month. That's 10 years of Jeff's tireless work to promote Texas wine, 10 years of efforts to shine a light on Texas wine tourism, and 10 years of his willingness to allow other Texas wine fanatics like me a place to publish our work. And what about the community that's come from all these efforts? There's a strong community on Facebook, and it exists in real life, too. If you're visiting Texas wineries regularly, you're bound to run into other Texas wine lovers. You can recognize them because they're wearing Texas wine lover pins and masks and shirts. Now here's Jeff reflecting on how this whole thing started and where it goes from here. People may or may not have heard your voice before, but now that they're hearing you, they may be surprised that you don't sound like a native Texan. So how did you end up in Texas, Jeff? So I'm originally from upstate New York. I uh, grew up there and out of college, started interviewing. And actually, ironically, the first place I had an interview was in Houston for uh, Shell Oil. Um, I'm glad they didn't actually give me the job because it was not something I wanted to do. And, and my I, I come from the country up in upstate New York. And getting to downtown Houston, it was like a culture shock for sure. So... Anyway, so long story short, I ended up out of college, ended up in South Florida. And then after 12 years there, uh, the site there was shutting down. And then uh, Compaq, actually, in Houston, they started hiring people. And that's how I ended up here. And you've been in the Houston area this whole time? since it's 26 years. Okay. Well, do you remember the first time you had Texas wine or heard about Texas wine? Um, I'm not sure about actually hearing about it, but I do know that this whole venture thing started uh, in 2010 when I talked to Gloria, um, and she was the one that actually got me into wine. And I said, hey, you ever been to Fredericksburg? Because I heard they've got some wineries out there. And that was probably the real first uh, drinking of uh, Texas wine. Are any of the wineries that you visited on that first trip still ones that you returned to? Um, well, actually, the first one we went to, which unfortunately we went on January 1st, New Year's Day. So the first one we went to was Pedernales, but they were closed. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones, actually. So actually on that first trip, yeah, so coming out of Fredericksburg, um, going back home, we stopped at Texas Hills Vineyard in Johnson City. And there was the first time that they said, hey, did you know about this uh, passport program that the TDA Texas Department of Agriculture was offering. And we said, no. And so we'd already hit like probably three or four wineries that trip. And so if you don't know what that was, it was similar to like a frequent flyer program where the more points you earn, you can then uh, accumulate them and then use them toward uh, awards. So we said, well, this is cool. We can drink and get awards. So we started doing that. And then uh, because we had visited so many after a year, I uh, said, well, you know, I, I, I've i written a book before, so I've done some writing. 
And I said, well, I can't tell people, you know, what how the wine tastes or how it smells, but I can certainly tell you how to visit a winery and t- talk about, you know, some of the wineries we visit to maybe help other people. So that's what started the blog in 2011. I know 10 years ago, there were there were fewer wineries, and I'm guessing you had a goal to visit them all. And now that, that's an awfully big goal. Yeah, that, that was the goal. And it's a big state, believe me. <laughs> yeah. And I know you do a lot of road trips all over the place. Um, so not only in the Hill Country, but you've made it out west a number of times to Lubbock and and further, I imagine, and up north and east and all over the place. I, I think I've hit pretty much every corner of the state from all the way out to El Paso and all the way to the northeast, all the way up to the Arkansas border. So I'm curious about those vineyards out in far, far uh, west Texas, out toward El Paso. I've seen... I've seen a lot more interest in that area lately. So I haven't made it to the Davis Mountains, but I'm anxious to go there. Have you done that? No, I haven't done that. Okay. Well, Texas Wine Lover Retreat next year. Let's <laughs> hey, get there that you on go. the calendar. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, it's, it's always slow when you first start like a website or a blog and then try to get some traffic to at least read what you're writing. Mm-hmm. Well, now it seems like it's... Uh, Going gangbusters, I know you've, you're always among the top hits for any Texas winery that, that you Google. I think Google loves Texas Wine Lover. And the Facebook group's a lot of fun, too. There's so much activity on the Facebook group. So if you ever have a question about you know where to visit or who makes a certain variety of wine, if you post it there, you get immediate responses, which is nice. It's a nice community. Yeah, I'm very proud of the Facebook group. We have, we have a, one of the best uh, Texas wine groups on Facebook, for sure. That's nice. So what have been some fun perks that you've experienced in these 10 years? Um, I know the first time we met, and I guess the only time we've met in person was at uh, judging a competition last year for Lone Star International up in Grapevine. But I'm, I'm guessing you have some fun perks that, that um, maybe you didn't anticipate when you started this. But what are some of your favorites? Uh, well, I, I'll just have to mention that one. I agree definitely that becoming a wine judge... Uh, was very very cool i never 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 anticipated being that but i've, I've been a judge now in um, probably like five different competitions and including one in new york state so that was kind of nice cool. uh, other than other than that i mean perks um invitations to like uh, events where they like need media which it's kind of nice to go, but then of course you still have to work. <laughs> and then when you get home, you work even harder trying to write everything. Did take a couple media trips. Uh, the best one was in to Paso Robles. That's cool. So that's probably some of the best perks. And I know that you've met some great people. There are a number of people who write on the site, and I know um, that's a special group to you. And then also just industry folks that you probably connected with and at those early events and have continued to support you and, and the whole website. Well, absolutely. I mean, it, it is really nice though, after all these years to, you know, know, know these owners and winemakers and, and a lot of them, you know, consider being friends and I can text or email any of them at any time. And, and they're always willing to answer and help out. You put in a lot of hours on this website. That right there is the hardest thing, the hours, yes. It, it used to be many, many more hours than I do now um, when I was doing especially doing it myself. And then thankfully I have people like you and the other writers that help out to provide content. 
But yeah, it, it's amazing when you you read like a blog post, and it takes you like say a minute to read it. And I'm sure you'll agree that it could have taken you probably two to three hours to write that one minute's worth of reading. So it's, it's not as easy as a lot of people think. Right. That's so true. It seems to me too, like you can attend the event and then think you have an idea of what you're going to say about it, but then you get home and realize that you took no photos. That's usually my I, problem. I, oh, the photos. I bet Jeff's going to want photos. I've, with I've done that she, too. <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> Well, I know COVID has shut down a number of events and festivals that you generally like to go to, um, but hopefully those things will be coming back soon. Are there certain things on the calendar that you like to try to go to every year? Well, yeah. I mean, the first thing, if, if anybody listening, if you're not part of uh, Twiga and you have any interest in the Texas wine industry, you need to join. You can join as a consumer. And so, the, I mean, the number one thing they have is the Twiga conference every year. And just besides the great educational seminars they have, uh, the social networking to be able to meet everybody else in the Texas wine industry is just phenomenal. And I won't even mention the excellent wine that you taste while you're there, too, of course. <laughs> but, I mean, you got that. And then um, if you like uh, any interest in the vineyard grape growing, then there's events like uh, Grape Camp, Newsome Grape Day. that's actually coming up at the end of this month. And uh, the Hill Country Wine Symposium that is produced by uh, Texas Hill Country Wineries, they've been putting on a great show every year. So I would say those are probably the top uh, events that are I can't miss. Well, I'm anxious to get down to the symposium. I haven't attended that yet, but I'm hope hoping that it'll be back in person this next year. Do you have some particular road trips that have been memorable for you? I think the last one I read, I, I like to read your road trip summaries on the blog because it's always interesting. You, you seem to get a lot of doors open to you, and that's nice. A lot of owners want to meet with you and talk to you, which is cool. But this time you had bad weather, and it seems like the, the odds were stacked against you this last trip. But tell me about some memorable ones. Well, that, that one you're mentioning is actually the most memorable that I can remember recently. Because I, I, I was heading to the Texas High Plains, and I've never driven. The first time Gloria and I, we were going up there uh, years ago. I can't remember what year it was even. She said, well, how far drive is it? So we looked and said, oh, it's nine, nine hours. She goes, we're flying. Well, every year I've always flown to everything up there. But this time I said, I'm going to drive. So I, I, I don't know. I left Houston. I think it was like 60 degrees, something like that. I get up there that same day, and it's in the 20s. The ice, and it's like snowing. And I said, this is horrible. <laughs> so, But it was a good trip, even though, you know, unfortunately, some places closed because of the bad weather. But you know, being able to spend time with friends and still drink wine, that was good. It's worth it once you get there. And it's nice to have your own car when you're when you're there, I'm sure. Exactly, yes. So in addition to the blog... You also have some interesting features, a vineyard listing and a winery listing. So in particular, what I have found super unique is, for instance, if you want to know who grows Dolcetto in the High Plains, you can search by grape variety to know who grows what. Um, but you can also plan a trip because there are interactive maps. And so people who just think of it as being a blog, it's really so much more. There's so many tools that you can use to help you plan your life. 
Well, I'm glad you said that last statement because, I mean, obviously started as a blog. Uh, whenever everybody asks about Texas Wine Lover now, I always say it's a website because there's much more than a blog. The blog really there is now just to supplement all the reference information. Uh, the the vineyard information that you said, I mean, I first created a, like a winery list and the Texas uh, winery map, which is what I consider the most extensive and up-to-date uh, listing and map of Texas wineries. And then there was nobody, and I, today, nobody can tell you actually how many acres of grapes that are grown in Texas. And I said, well, I got, I did, I did the wineries. Well, let me see if I can do the vineyards. And I just started collecting that data. And um, I, I do like the grape thing that you'd mentioned too. Like, okay, who's growing this? And that's actually come up and actually helped some wineries. I heard this one story how somebody looked up the on the website for a particular grape. They saw it there, and then they contacted the the grape grower. Ended up contracting with them for the grape, and because of that and the quality of the fruit they provided, they ended up contracting the entire vineyard. <laughs> so, so wow. that was that was kind of nice that it helped out uh, a winery, yeah. you know. You're like a matchmaker. That's exactly, awesome. exactly. So in the past, we have gotten, I guess, every other year reports on the status of the grapes grown in Texas from the Department of Agriculture. But I've heard it said that your list is probably more thorough because people <laughs> submitted that directly to you, perhaps, and didn't necessarily want to give the same information to the organizi organizing bodies that collect the data for the state report. Does that sound about right? Uh, I've heard that too. Um, but when they started doing that report, I really kind of like lost focus as far as keeping mine more up to date. Uh, so I know there's a lot of missing stuff there because I, I was doing it because nobody else was doing it. But when they started paying, you know, those organizations to collect the data, then it was like, well, why should I continue? So I put, the, yeah. put my put my focus elsewhere. If we could could project a few years into the future, are there any changes that you see for a Texas wine lover? Anything that you think may be different than the features and options that you have now? Um, well, like I said earlier, the, the blog has really turned into just to supplement the rest of the website. So I would just say that it probably is going to have more accurate information on the website as far as Texas wine events and wineries. Uh, maybe more press release type stuff to uh, educate people as far as what's going on in the industry. That's fun. You can definitely get lost in looking at all the features on the website and, and kill some time. I've done that a time or two. <laughs> what would people be surprised to see in your personal wine collection? Are there any surprises there? That's a good question. Well, so, so okay. Let me back up. Many years ago, when when we first started drinking wine, uh, we were primarily white wine sweet drinkers, and then we started drinking dry whites. And after a few years, I said, you know, everybody else is drinking reds. I think we should try some of it. Well, the majority we have now is red in the, our wine fridges, but the good thing about that is we have a every spectrum of wine available as you know, from sweet white to all the way to go around the circle. So 
as far as what could be surprising in there, well, it depends on what everybody likes to drink. I mean, if you like dry, bold reds, well, we have a, a chocolate sweet wine. I mean, <laughs> who knows? It could be anything in there. You have a glass of wine in front of you. What's your choice tonight? Are you pairing something with your dinner, or is this just a, an afternoon sipper? <laughs> no, I'm not pairing anything with dinner. Um, pretty much dinner in our house goes by whatever I can find. Um, Gloria says the only reason we have a kitchen is because it came with a house. So, <laughs> so, but I have a uh, West Cave Cellars 2017 Merlot from actually the Hendricks Family Vineyard in the High Plains. And it, it's and 2017, if we if you haven't heard it yet, is a great year for grapes. And actually, I heard recently it's that's cr- true across the United States even. So any 17 you can find anywhere, especially Texas, grab it because it's going to be good. And this one's tasting very nice. Excellent. I'm anxious to see their new spot. Yeah. Uh, West Cave Cellars. So, Jeff, I asked you to come up with five memorable moments that you could share with listeners that would kind of encapsulate your experience running Texas Wine Lover website. Can you share those with me? Well, let's see. The, the number one is, as we mentioned earlier, it's, you know, I started the thing, but then eventually we got writers like yourself to help out. So in uh, 2014, uh, we were able to get a, 10 different writers together in Johnson City, and we, we met for dinner one night. So that was kind of neat to have everybody together as Texas wine lovers celebrating. That's cool. Um, number two, just just seeing uh, people wear uh, Texas wine lover merchandise. I was like, whether from shirts and especially last year when you know the COVID hit, of everybody was like searching, trying to find face masks. And I said, well, Hey, I found this place that actually does custom ones. And I've made the Texas wine lover ones, the best seller I've ever had. Well, obviously now you can find face masks anywhere. So it's not really worthwhile, but it was good at the it's time. It's always fun to see those out in the wild. Yeah. And, and I do still see them. So it was, that was kind of cool. Um, getting different awards for the website uh, from different publications or, you know, I guess there may be blogs themselves. I don't know, but, you know, they might have, like, say, the top 100 wine blogs. And there's Texas Wine Lover among all these other major ones that you've heard about. And so it was like, wow, we got Texas Wine noted around the United States or around the world. So that that was that's kind of nice to see. Um, meeting uh, people who basically said that, you know, Texas wine lovers helped them somehow over the years, whether it's from winery owners, like I just mentioned with the, the vineyards, or, you know, just helping them know what to go and, and what to drink. And you actually mentioned this early on, but the Facebook group, um, it, I'm, I'm pretty proud that we've we've created that group and it's uh, going pretty strong. That's pretty memorable. That's a neat group. And everybody is welcome from people in the industry to people who are just making their first trip to a Texas winery. So it's nice to see all different kinds of folks asking questions and answering. Well, I just have to say congratulations. What a run. 10 years. I can't even imagine the hours you've put in. Um, the, The website is looking great. I know it's been a hard time with COVID and Uh, wineries are dealing with their own, you know, marketing budgets and struggles, but 
I'm hoping that people will realize what a special um, benefit the website is and will continue to support it with their advertising. And you certainly give us a lot to look forward to when those blog posts hit and a great resource to go to for all kinds of information about the industry. So thank you so much for all you've done. And for me personally, I certainly wouldn't be doing a Texas Wine podcast if I hadn't started as a writer for Texas Wine Lover. I saw actually your post in the Facebook group and you said, I need somebody in the Dallas area to go to occasional events and write about it. And I thought, sure, I can do that. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. No, was it? it was fun. And I've met, I've met great people and enjoyed it so much. So cheers to you well, on your 10 year anniversary. Well, thank you. And uh, I've got to say congratulations on the podcast. You're doing a phenomenal job uh, getting the news out there and the information. And it's really a nice addition to the Texas wine industry. Well, thanks. It's been fun. And I appreciate your partnership on promoting it, too. So people should certainly follow you on social media. On Facebook, it's Texas Wine Lover and the Texas Wine Lover Facebook group, right? Te Texas Wine Lover website. Okay. Texas Wine Lover oh. website is the name of the Facebook group. A little confusing, yeah. but okay. Yeah. All right. I know. Well, it's only because someone else was there with a previous similar name. Oh, I see. Well, it's a good one. So you're going to have copycats. Yeah. Well, it, Texas Wine Lover's trademark now, so I have to uh, be careful of that name. <laughs> I see. That's true. Well, that, that was an experience too with the oh, I <laughs> coming bet. up with all that. I bet. Jeez. And then also you're on Instagram and, and Twitter, so we can find you anywhere. But the, the main place is the website, txwinelover.com. And that's where people should start with any questions they may have about the Texas wine industry, right? That's correct. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being here, Jeff. That wasn't so bad, was it? No, actually it wasn't. <laughs> Thanks for all you do, Jeff. Cheers to the 10-year anniversary of Texas Wine Lover. Here's to many more. I want to share with you a couple of books that I've read lately that may be of interest to my Texas wine-loving friends. The first is a nonfiction book called Texas Wine Pioneers, How Texas Upset the World Wine State and Continues to Redefine It by Gretchen Glasscock. The book is a paperback that I saw advertised on a Texas wine Facebook group. It's about 100 pages long, and it details some of the earliest history of the Texas wine industry and the author's contributions. These include planting the first commercial vinifera grape vineyard in the state, helping form the Texas Wine and Grape Growers Association, and passing landmark legislation that laid the foundation for the Texas wine industry. Originally from South Texas, Miss Glasscock fell hard for the Davis Mountains. She determined that it had a similar climate to Napa Valley. She was responsible for planting the vineyard at Blue Mountain, which is now the land owned by Mara and Dan Sharp. The author met with a lot of interesting and, yes, famous people in the wine world, and she details those experiences in the book. She also got some pretty funny advice from the great winemaker Andre Teleshev. He told her, wineries are like yachts. It's better to have a friend who owns one. To read the whole saga, including the difficult political maneuvering necessary to pass the 1979 Farm Winery Bill, 
check out this book, Texas Wine Pioneers by Gretchen Glasscock. It's chock full of interesting history about the formation of the Texas wine industry. And check out the author's new efforts. An online sales portal for Texas wine called AdvancingTexasWine.com. The second book I want to tell you about is called Goodbye Lark Lovejoy by Chris Klink. It's a fictional story about a young mother who starts over in her hometown of Fredericksburg. She's put off her dream of being a winemaker, but you can see where this is going. Being in the Hill Country reignites her passion for wine and her passion in general. It's a lighthearted book, kind of like a Hallmark movie, but I actually really enjoyed it. It was fun to read about places where I've been and to see how the main character, who's named Lark, comes into her own and how her family rebounds after a tragic event. This is the first book in the Enchantment Rock series, so we can expect to hear more about Lark's journey in future books. I got an advanced reader copy from the publicist, and I have an extra copy that I'd be happy to send to the first person who requests it. If you're looking for a fun, slightly wine-adjacent novel set in Fredericksburg, check out Goodbye, Lark Lovejoy by Chris Klink. There are two main ways to get in touch with me about the podcast. Email, which is texaswinepod at gmail.com, or leave a voicemail at 802-585-1286. Maybe I'll share your comment or question on the show. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find it by searching Texas Wine Pod. Remember, all of the show notes for this episode are at thisistexaswine.com. That's where you'll find the links to all the news stories I shared. While you're there, you can sign up for my newsletter and click the Support the Podcast tab. Please help your Texas wine-loving friends find the podcast. Most people find out about podcasts through word of mouth, so help me grow the audience for this podcast. Big thanks to Texas Wine Lover for always helping to promote the podcast. Texas Wine Lover, of course, is the website to visit when you have a question about a Texas winery or a Texas vineyard. And happy 10th anniversary to Jeff Cope. Thank you for listening to This is Texas Wine. I'll be back soon with another episode. Cheers, y'all.